He looks determined without being ruthless. Something heroic in his manner. There's a courage about him. Doesn't look like a killer. Comes across so calm. Acts like he has a dream. Full of passion. You don't trust me, huh? Well, you know why. I do. We're not supposed to trust anyone in our profession anyway. Peace, 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 and welcome to The Rematch, which is part of the BasketballNews.com podcast network. On The Rematch, you'll hear in-depth interviews with notable names from all walks of life. Because sometimes the media just doesn't get it right. The Rematch is that second opportunity to clarify, put things in proper context, correct fake news or misreported controversy. The media still exists as the most powerful entity on earth because they control the minds of the masses. I'm Atan Thomas, and the full truth is what we are aiming to catch. Many media stories omit details that would dilute their clickbait roar, and that's why there's a need for the rematch. Today, I sat down with my former point guard at Syracuse University and new head coach of the G League Unite team, Jason Hart. The same team that produced draftees Jalen Green going number two to Houston and Jonathan Kaminga going number seven to Golden State and Isaiah Todd going to the Washington Wizards. He discussed the floodgates this should now open as a viable alternative to the traditional college route details of how the Ignite prepare players for the next level and the type of coach he will be. This was a great discussion. Hope you enjoy. Jason Hart, how you doing, sir? Good, man. Glad to be here. How you doing? Man, I'm good, man. My my, my point guard for four years at Syracuse University and a new head coach of the G League Ignite. You know, so I want to say big congratulations to you, of course, first and foremost. Thank you, man. Thank you. It's, a, it's an honor to uh, be here, obviously, with you, but also excited to get a chance to uh, coach at the professional level. Right, right, right. So I know there's something that you've been wanting to do for a long time, and you have this love for coaching for a long time. So just talk to me about how excited you are about this opportunity. Well, I'm super excited. I got into coaching, obviously, to give back and, and stay connected with the game. Um, college was where I wanted to be. Um, it was always been a dream of mine to be a college head coach. Unfortunately, uh, that didn't happen. And when the opportunity presented itself in the G League, um, I jumped on it and i um, happy to continue my uh, coaching career, obviously, at a higher level. You know, I saw that uh, Coach Brian Shaw, who was a former coach, is now going to be the, the head assistant of the Clippers. So you'll have a lot of different directions that you can go to, you know, from here. Uh, are you still leaving the door open to go back to college? And I'm asking this for a reason, because yeah. I've heard your name thrown into the mix quite a few times as a possible candidate to replace Coach Beheim when he finally retires when he's 80 or, or 90 years old. <laughs> Definitely, Tom. Uh, you know, in coaching, man, you never, you know, close the door on any opportunity. Obviously, Syracuse is some something that me and you share, uh, mm-hmm. a good bond there. It's, it's a great institution. But I'm just looking forward to uh, leading, you know, the, the Ignite right now and focusing here and whatever God has in my future, I'll be ready to step in that path when, when it comes my way. So before we delve into uh, where you're going with the Ignite, um, let's talk a little bit about where you were as an assistant coach um, at USC. Um, how did you enjoy your time there? I enjoyed my time there. Lovely. 
I mean, it's, it's obviously two miles from where I grew up, maybe four miles from where I grew up. So it was like every day I went to work, it was like I was going home. Mm. And um, I was able to impact and change young men's lives, able to see kids go pro that wasn't supposed to go pro and help restore a program to, to national relevance. Um, I think right now the program's in a better place than before we got there. And um, it's a destination for recruits. And that was the goal uh, going there. Um, you know, last night with the draft, um, we saw the third pick. Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers selected uh, Evan Mobley, um, Pac-12 player of the year, uh, defensive player of the year. He's, you know, uh, seven feet, 215 pounds, mobile. It, it's it's interesting seeing his growth while he was there. Talk about your particular work with him and how you prepared him for the NBA. Etan, I'm not going to lie. He, he was a pro probably when he came out the womb. Um, okay. I think my work with him was just obviously – Mental, having him be a little bit more selfish, a little bit more aggressive. But but his dad was on staff, so he was already trained prior to coming to USC. Only thing we did really well was not mess it up and put him in positions to make him look good. But he was he's been good since he's been in the eighth grade. Uh, USC just gave him a platform to, to showcase his talent. Talk a little bit more about the mental aspect because we have we have with us. You know, you worked a lot with Hop when we were mm-hmm. in Syracuse. I, I worked a lot with with Coach Orr as far as the mental athlete. I work with Bernie all the time on the, all the drills and the big right. man things and stuff. And always give a, give a shout out to Bernie because the big man drills, they worked. Like those, they those drills were serious. They looked crazy while he was there, but they worked. But talk about how important that mental preparation and that motivation uh, um, is, um, you know, and how you worked with him with that throughout the year. Well, man, I was probably obviously the only coach that, that played in the NBA. So mentally, it was just preparing him every day for practice um, games. Now, we knew he was going to be a high draft pick, so he had to be consistent. One thing about the NBA, you can't have uh, one good game and four bad. So he had to eventually turn his mindset to, to dominating every day. And that was a constant push um, for him because he's very soft-spoken. He doesn't ever get um, outside of his box. So it was more like being able to push his buttons when you see him kind of relaxing. I mean, we, we was trying to encourage him to dominate every possession on offense and defense, and that was just a constant push every day. And obviously when we got to the tournament, he led us uh, to a Elite Eight, somewhere we hadn't been in 20 years. So mentally I think he's prepared. His body will catch up with his mind, but he, he, got, he has a lot of game, and he's a gym rat. The gym rat. You know, I heard the um, announcers mention different names. Sometimes sometimes I like I like draft comparisons. You know right. what I mean? I do that with my AAU team, like right. draft comparisons. Sometimes they're a little bit too much. Like yeah. I heard Bill Russell mention. I was like, ah. Yeah. That's, that's a lot. That that's was a, a lot, lot too. But, but I heard um, Chris Bosh and Anthony Davis. You know, do you mm-hmm. think those are fair comparisons? I think those are very, very accurate uh, comparisons. I would say more uh, along the line of Anthony Davis. In terms of defensive uh, presence right now, and uh, his ability like to push the ball. We was running pick and rolls with him uh, in the NCAA tournament where he was handling, we were setting screen. So he's highly skilled. He'll be able to uh, play on the perimeter. And um, as his body develops, he'll be able to take more pounding in the post. But uh, he's a slippery offensive player with a high-level skill set, and he's, he, he has long arms, seven-foot-four wingspan, and he's seven feet. So he, he defensively, he projects for me, Anthony Davis. Young Anthony Davis. Young Anthony Davis. Yeah. All right, so, but, yeah, but the ceiling – he can grow into even, you know, the, the the superstar Anthony Davis. No question, man. He has all the makings, all the tools, and he's a humble kid. Um, he's not one of those kids where you're not rooting for him, and that's why I think everybody's excited about him. He's very humble, and uh, it's easy to be rooted for when you're humble. 
So he also uh, rebounds at almost nine a game, uh, yeah. three of those on the offensive end. Yeah. And that's rebounding at a high level. I heard Kendrick Perkins uh, last night uh, say something to the effect that if he could be a, a big man that can do guard things, yeah. he would be successful in the league. Um, but then they said if he tries to only focus on the guard things and you know doesn't really do the – the big man stuff that could be problematic. Did you hear when he said that? Well, I heard that. I didn't understand it, and I and I, and I always listen to Big Perk. Big Perk. Right. He stayed in the paint the whole time. That's how he got offensive rebound. Now, when he right. got a rebound, he did push, but he did not camp out on the perimeter. He shot maybe 15 three pointers all year. So he is a big man. He knows who he is. He's a pick roll, catch dunk, offensive rebound, shot blocker. That's what made him good. He knows his bread and butter, and as his skill set developed, he'll play a little further away from the rim. But he he's a paint guy. I think Perk was saying that because a lot of times in the league, you know, the league are going against the big man. You know, right. big man always got it tough, always, yeah. even before when we played in Syracuse. You know what I mean? But right. even even now, more so in the league, um, you know, people are going away from doing big man things. So I knew what he was saying, yeah. um, but it's just more of him continuing to do the things that got him there. That's well, what I got from Perk. That's what I got no, no, exactly, him. exactly. But it's, it's, it's similar to DeAndre Ayton. He was in our league. He shot a lot of jumpers in our league. It made him, too. Now when he got to the pros, he's been more so role-playing, um, catching, rolling, standing in the paint. Now, Evan doesn't have the body of DeAndre Ayton, but defensively is where, where his anchor is, and he will be in the paint blocking shots and uh, causing havoc on the defensive end. And I, he knows that's his bread and butter. Right, right, right. So you definitely had a, a, a successful story there with him. And I know it was great seeing him walk across that stage last night. So let's let's get into the uh, G League night. And, you know – the setup, a lot of people don't really understand the setup of the G League Ignite. Um, they've been signing top prospects to play against um, G League veterans to prepare them for the NBA draft. Right. And the Igniter, they're based in California. Again, you're right at home. Yep. Um, it's crazy how that keeps working out for you, yeah. but I know, I know you're not complaining <laughs> at all. But, um, you know, so they're expected to play more of a traditional uh, G League schedule this coming year. Um, but talk, talk to everybody about how it actually works because a lot of people they, they they don't quite understand. So the G League is is a team uh, ignite that was created by Sharif Abdul Rahim. Um, Sharif Abdul Rahim is a very good friend of mine, dating back uh, from our days in Sacramento. Um, obviously, he's the president of the G League, and so this this team was formed uh, to keep our high school basketball stars. Um, from obviously taking their talents overseas. When um, R.J. Hampton and uh, LaMelo Ball went to Australia to play, um, it was an idea that that, that was created um, for high school players who are good enough and who we think are good enough to have a chance to go to the next level, stay here and develop in somewhat of a form system, hone their talents uh, against um, not only G-leaguers, but draft pick kids that's playing for Lakers or Clippers, um, and, and take your talent versus those guys and then go and get drafted in June. Um, it was also formed to, to help these young men become pros off the court as well. Um, it's a transition from high school, um, eating candy before the games, to now understand how to take care of your body and get your mind mentally prepared to play against another pro. Um, so it's more of a hands-on approach with 18-year-olds um, who have a high skill set, high level of talent, and putting them in a position to succeed and then surrounding them with veterans who are going to show them the ropes um, of the NBA lifestyle, of the NBA, and being able to push them in moments in the games to get them uncomfortable outside of their box. Um, also, um, 
academically, um, you have a scholarship. Uh, if When you want to go back to school, it's, it's a pilot program through a few universities, uh, particularly Arizona State. And they can go to school and get their degree um, by MBA uh, if they want to choose their route as well. But they have an academic piece, too. And then also they get paid a handsome uh, amount of money each time um, for basically uh, a season. And it's not for everybody. It's not for kids who uh, need more time to develop in college, but it's for um, special type of talent. Uh, kids, obviously, Jalen Green, Jonathan Kaminga, those two were two of the players that played in the league. One person that came, comes to mind when you, when you give that um, you know, description is a player that we played with, Hunter Walton. Yes. I think he would have been fantastic for this. Now, people right. don't really understand how good he was, but people forget. Yeah, but let, let's talk about him for a minute because when we got to Syracuse, you know, it was right after John Wallace and them had won the uh, well had played the championship game. Mm-hmm. So you had John Wallace, you had Otis Hill, um, you had Jason Zapola, you had Lazarus Sims. You know, they were all in the court. So we come in there young, you know, fresh out of high school. You know, y'all y'all confidence was a little bit higher than mine. Y'all, you know what I mean? You you had you would you would, but really it was Fred. Really, yeah. we was going off of Fred. So yeah. come in there and like we were right in Nelly Fieldhouse and he was like, hey, let's play us against y'all. You remember? Like us. Yeah. And pointed to us yeah. being the freshman against y'all. Mm-hmm. And, Jay, and, and, and um, John Wallace was like, y'all not ready for that yet. He was like, and, and you know, he talking big noise. Fred was like, hey, we, we ready. Let's go. So it was me, you, Rock, Ramel Lloyd, um, LaShawn, Howard, mm-hmm. right? Um, and Fred. Yeah. So that was we, our five. That was a five, right? We yeah. had like our own Fab Five, to be honest yeah. with you, right? Yes. Um, it's just that, you know, Fred didn't work out and Rock left, but we had a crew. Yeah, we did. Talk about that when we scrimmaged them because they had just come back. I, I got to repeat it. They just came back from playing in the national championship game, right, against Kentucky. Yeah. And Fred was going to work. Man, Fred, like you said, he was a next-level talent. Um, obviously he had a chance to go out of high school and get drafted, mm-hmm. but the G league ignite program would have helped him because it would allow him to, to obviously be paid, but he was an elite talent. His body was already developed. He would have been able to do that and would have had him in a structured environment to where we can watch his every move, um, mental aspect of the game and see that his dreams come true. But definitely time he was elite. Um, he would have been he would have benefited from from this program, but also he could have went out of high school. He was that good, and his confidence was crazy. I think uh, his game was more mature than obviously than ours. We was more same age, but his game was just a little bit more mature. A lot. He, more. Was, he, he was a special talent. Remember the school yeah. gave him number forty four. Yeah, that's out forty four. So nobody, nobody, no, right. <laughs> nobody. So he was a forty four, and we all expected him to obviously to be one and done. Yeah. So 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 I want to talk about that game though because yeah. that game he was going to work on John Wallace. You well, know what I mean? he was bigger than John Wallace. Yeah. John was maybe six eight, six nine, six yeah. nine for sure. Fred was six ten and a half, two thirty five at yeah. eighteen years old. So um, I remember the game and John Wallace was coming off a high, maybe one of the better players in the entire country for college. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, I remember, man, we was. <laughs> We played them dudes, and Fred kind of gassed that game up, and we was like, okay, well, we got to play then. Well, let's go then. <laughs> let's go. But you know what? That mindset right there, Rock, I mean, uh, uh, Etan, that don't, we don't do that no more. Like the college game, they don't play pickup no more versus the older guys and the younger guys. Our generation now is suffering from let's just do skill work all the time. 
And so uh-huh. how we proved ourselves, you remember the time we used to play pickup all the time. Yeah. That, that, that doesn't happen no more, especially at the college game. It's more so we set up appointment times to where we could do all skill work. And amongst the players, they don't like to do pickup. No they don't like to do pickup. No. That helped us so much. I mean, me, me going up against Otis helped me tremendously. That got me in the weight room. Remember, I was a skinny cat when I came yeah. to Syracuse. Exactly. Otis giving me the business. Now, now that game, uh, you know, Fred was going to work. I was, you know, trying to do what I can against Otis. But Otis was the truth. You know he what I mean? Was. He was just stronger than me. And, you know, right. Zaris was talking to you and stuff like that and pushing you. And Rock was going to work on Sapola. I will right. say that. Yeah, but, but Rock had big Rock had game. And yeah. for people who don't know, man, Ramel Lloyd was one of the coldest. He was the big, he was a big two guard. Remember that? People yep. hadn't even seen that yet. And yeah. so now when they say big guards, he was the quintessential big guard, two guard from New York City that we seen early. Imagine if we would have had both Fred and Rock, you know what I mean, all our years. You know, you know, Fred was probably one and done, but just you know, theoretically, if we would have had them all our years, man, it would have been it would have been crazy. But those those were good old days. Hey, man, you know what? You reminisce on those days. That was 1996, maybe September, uh, Syracuse, New York. And we still talking about that because that's that was something that touched us and it lived with us forever. I mean, yeah. I, I miss Syracuse dearly, man. That was those manly fieldhouse days, manly blues, manly grays, thick white socks. <laughs> Uh, Don Low, you know, arguing with Don Low, you know, I wasn't rolling with Don Low like that. Well, hey, and then Corey Parker, that was your guy, too. Corey Parker, Corey Parker was my man because I had to lift weights because I was so I was I was getting beat up by Otis every day. I was like, no, I got to do a different kind of weight program, I got to do what the football players do. And he let me do that, but also it was like, a you know, you got to do some of this too. I'm like, whatever, I got to get big, so I'm gonna give Otis, you know, a little run for his money, but that was. Though, like you said, those were the good old days. Great, great times, great place, man. Actually, we I, I haven't been there. You go to Syracuse often, but yeah, I would I love, love to get that. back and just uh, yeah. kind of see 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 the see the old stumping grounds. Definitely, definitely. But now, so going back to the to the G League at night. Now, you know what I mean. They had two players in the draft taken uh, with Jalen Green going to to Houston and um, Jonathan Kaminga going to Golden State, and both still have tremendous upsides. You know what I mean? I mean, with them having the success that they had, uh, going the route of going to, you know, the the G League Ignite team, um, as an alternative to going to the college route, as an alternative to going to, you know, overseas. And hearing the announcers gush over them the way that they did, um, do you think that this is now going to really open the floodgates for high school players to really do the same? The The top, top high school players. I think it just gives them a, another option. Obviously, they have the G, the, the G League experience. You have uh, overtime. It's another high school uh, league that they formed, um, and they're getting paid out of that as well. I just think that with those two guys, obviously, um, being that they, it was the inaugural season and they was able to get drafted so high, I think it gives um, players, top-level players, an opportunity to come showcase their talent versus pros and, and being able to – be coached and put in an environment to where it's, it's going to help them succeed on and off the court. Um, college is not for everybody. Um, right. Like we just said, if Winford didn't have to go to college, he probably would have been in the pros and had a 10-year career. Mm-hmm. And so I think given um, the, the our kids, the culture, the basketball coaching options um, to help them be successful, then that's what it's, uh, it's designed to do. And hopefully um, it attracts more talent and um, it keeps this thing going. 
I mean, I don't think attracting the talent is going to be a problem. You know, <laughs> to be honest with you, it's getting the right, it's getting the right ones, and then giving the kids just options. And so, when you have options in life, and you make the right decision, it obviously leads to a, a bright future. That's definitely true. That's definitely true. So, so you you, you said that you hope that they give. Um, you know, keep attracting talent. Who who are and I don't know the rules, you know what I mean? So I don't wanna if you're not supposed to mention anything or how they do tampering, I don't even know if that how the rules are, but so if you if you're looking at you know and watching high school now, who are some guys that you could that you think could make that jump? Um, you know, to go to the G League route. Not saying that you're recruiting them to come to you or anything like that. I just want to make that clear for all the, you know, NBA compliance people or whatever. Not asking that, and that's not what Coach Hart is saying. Just who are some people who could make that jump now that you've seen? Well, as far as the rules, Etan, I'm not sure how the rules are set up, but we are recruiting actively the players that go to the power five schools, the elite schools, obviously. And so I don't know if we can name the names because they're not signed to us. It's just like a kid uh, getting recruited to a UCLA or Duke. Uh, we can't promote a player that's not signed to us. We, so, um, But when we are recruiting, we are sitting next to, to the Kentuckys and the Kansases. And it's not, it's not more of a being a threat, but obviously it's just options. And so – your favorite top high school players, um, international players, 18, 19-year-olds, same thing. We, we have a, it's a, it's a wide margin of players of areas we try to cover. And um, obviously, we're we looking for the top youth talent in high school and overseas. So you're able to go to the top. So say like the we just had the EYBL Peace Jam Fest. You're yeah. able to go there and, yeah. and just right next to the coaches. I'm at the NBA Top 100 camp right now. Okay, in Orlando. Yeah. Gotcha, and, gotcha. And, and 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 Raj Strickland, Sharif Abdul Rahim was at, at Peace Jam. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. So yeah. so it's the same. You're at, at the same places. Same thing. Gotcha. So I'm pretty sure I don't want like schools to be like, man, they trying to steal our players. That's not the goal. That's not the intent. It's just to give option for those that don't want to um, attend college and have a, a swag and a confidence about themselves that they're ready to be professionals at, at an early age. You know it. it it's interesting because you say you don't want them to think that you're, you know, taking players and things like that. I just interviewed uh, Jay Billis yeah. uh, for, for the rematch. Um, and he was also one of the announcers at the draft. Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting watching him and then, you know, remembering what our interview was. About. And so, you know, we discussed the interesting predicament that the NCAA is currently in in regards to uh, the Supreme Court ruling that you know college athletes have historically been exploited by mm -hmm. the NCAA that was their ruling um and now of course uh all the athletes uh can can benefit off their name and likeness and it wasn't something that the the NCAA wanted to do they pushed back against it but now this is where we are and i'm asking i'm saying this to say do you think that now the tide is kind of turning on the debate if athletes were being exploited. Because, you know, of America was pushing back on that for so long. Athletes weren't. No athletes were saying, oh, no, we weren't exploited at all. No athletes were saying that. You know, we know. But now, after this ruling, it's like official, what we already knew. And do you think that that's going to try to kind of change the tide of how players are looking at their options going forward. 
You know what I'm asking? Yeah, no, I, to- I totally get it. Players, this definitely has changed. Um, if you're a football player and you're getting recruited by, I don't know, quote unquote, Kansas State and Alabama, um, if you have a high number of following on your social media account, um, the best bet is to go to Alabama because your NLI deal can net you some money. Um, Alabama has a high level interest of of people outside of their program that will help kids make money off the court mm-hmm. and at the end of the off the field, that sort of say. And at the end of the day, players want to capture and benefit off their name, like an image. So I think this definitely is a game changer. Just think, look, me and you went to uh, Syracuse. It's mm-hmm. quote unquote a small market city. Mm-hmm. Um, our parents probably would have been able to fly up every week for games. Mm-hmm. We'd have had a, a sponsor helping us out. Yep. Your, your your jersey was being sold. Mine was mm-hmm. being sold. So we would have benefited. Now we don't know what that number would have been, but we would have been able to make some money at a time when we were just in school getting our little school check. So um, the game has changed. Um, if we can do it all over again, me and you be, and I'll be right behind you. Time, what are we doing, man? We're, how are we gonna get some more money? We're, yeah. we're, no, we so, would have we had the commercials, commercials, all that stuff, pizza places, um, yeah. anything in the city because Syracuse, all that. <laughs> exactly. And Syracuse is a small city, and, and so you can capitalize on that. And so, so, I think this is definitely a game changer. I think athletes will be able to use their leverage and their power, and it won't be too long before um, one of them gets an endorsement shoe deal off the court. Uh, that's different from your school. So schools is, if, if Syracuse is Nike, any time wouldn't hustle up a deal from Adidas, you could have been wearing Adidas off the court. It's no limits. And the NCAA doesn't, hasn't put no limits and no rules on it. And so now players out of high school are signing with agents right now, uh, marketing companies right now. So they're free to go. And you could have been driving up in a Range Rover right in your freshman year pulling next to Coach Bayon, right, at, at today's market, how it's going. Yeah. So I think some coaches will be a little intimidated when they one of their players is, Coach, after practice, I got this, uh, this commercial shoot, man. I, I got to get out of here. I can't go to study hall today. <laughs> that's going to happen, man. There's money in this business. And everybody's not going to the pros and have a long uh, career like Etan Thomas. Right, so right. why not be able to capitalize on which how you're living today? There's nothing wrong with it. I agree. I agree. I mean, you talk about all the players, you know, from Syracuse that maybe didn't have long NBA careers, yeah. but they could have had great deals that could have helped out their families while they were in Syracuse. Like somebody like Sapolo, big tall guy, handsome, yeah. handsome guy, Italian yeah. guy. Like he would have been a hit. Yes, it would have been a hit. Exactly. <laughs> I, I definitely agree. So now, so now, with that in mind, um, as far as players going into the G League now, and this is the part where I'm, I'm going to be really interested in to see how that develops because I think that it will help some players making that decision to say, okay, I'm in a tough situation. And I want to go pro for that reason. Now, now it'll say, okay, well, now I can make some money and take care of my family and stuff like that while I'm in school, and I can help them while I'm in school. I think that will um, help keep some guys in, in in school a little bit longer. But more so about the G League, and I don't want to, you know, I, I touched on the point earlier, but I want to keep on with it because with these two high draft picks and the success, in my opinion, I think it has to be the thought of every top high school player out there that if they did it and I, and they hear the the announcers gushing over them the way that they did, they went number two and number seven. You know what I mean? It's not like they went 25 and you know what I mean? In the second round, they went number two and number seven. So now they're like, okay, I could definitely do that. And I, and I think it's going to open it up even more so where, 
y'all might have to even be turning guys away. Like, okay, we can't take any more high school guys. Or we're going to even open up another, you know what I mean, team up to the same thing. I think that many high school guys are going to want to be going this route. Do you agree with that? I totally agree. And and last night uh, during the draft, the, the G League Ignite team, um, you know, got a lot of, uh, you know, positive remarks about them. And, and like I said, it's a, it's an option for players who have that supreme confidence. And I think those two guys, obviously being the trendsetters, Isaiah Todd was another player that was drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, trendsetters in, in terms of the new age uh, uh, where we're living in. I mean, this is uh, something that was unprecedented. Being at this team was uh, formed last year. And to have two two lottery picks with, with the first seven picks and then another one at number 31 is definitely going to open the floodgates. But it also has to be a right fit and uh, it has to be something that uh, you're willing to sacrifice and learn and, and willing to accept coaching. But, you know, hey, come join the G League if that's if that's your goal. And I'm saying it on your show. It's a, uh, it's a win-win for all, and uh, hopefully we can keep this, this thing going and, and make this uh, team um, a destination for the elite talent. So what type of coach will Coach Jason Hart be once he, once he gets the head reins? Now, I mean, I don't see you out there running the 2-3 zone. Everybody's saying they're not going to run the zone. And then they go someplace else and they implement it somehow, right. some element of it. But, you know, what type of coach are you going to be? Well, for me, a coach that understands um, – I want to understand your, your vision as a player, um, someone that's going to allow uh, you to go make mistakes. I made plenty. But uh, a coach that's going to hold you accountable and, and demand that you uh, bring that energy every game. Um be respectful to your teammates, and then also just go out and have fun. I think it's going to be mandatory that as a coach, you see your players have fun. That brings out the best in their game. And uh, obviously I want to see them all have success. So I'm going to be more so uh, uh, um, uh, motivating, um, encouraging, and holding people uh, accountable on and off the court. And that's why I want to resonate with my players and the program. Do you uh, know Coach Brian Shaw personally at all? I do know Coach Brian Shaw. We don't have a extensive relationship but when i see him he sees me as we speak and i'll definitely be on the phone with him very soon he's obviously in la now he's, he's a clipper so right. definitely going to pick his brain ask him a ton of questions because he he was a head coach in the nba many years assistant in the nba and obviously he had the program at a high level last year with these two guys so i'm definitely going to reach out to him and, and, and pick his brain on some of the things i can do and some of the uh, uh you know options that he had in terms of uh dealing with this program and how he, he cultivated it well, that's great. Well, I'm happy for you, man. I'm Appreciate happy it, man. helping for the success that it that is having. I know it's going to help a lot of guys, but I'm telling you, when I was watching, the first thing I thought was, man, Winford would have done great with this kind of program. You know yeah. what I mean? So there's going to help a lot of guys, and it's great to see you living out your dream, and I know how much you love coaching. So much respect to you. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, wish you all the success in the world. And I'll be out here supporting you. All right, man. I appreciate you, man. And then uh, obviously now we, we got summer. So when next time you go to Syracuse, I, I want to join you on some type of uh, event. Oh, that's what's up. You know we can do that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. That's what's up. All right. Be safe out there. Where you, where right, you ask while you in that gym. Yeah, for <laughs> sure, man. Have a good one, Eitan. All right. Peace. All right, Thank you for listening to The Rematch. You can find more episodes on basketballnews.com. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. You can also find my articles on basketballnews.com along with exclusive content from Kenyon Martin, James Posey, and more. 
Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AtanThomas36. Let me know what you thought of this episode and who you'd like to see as a guest. I would love your feedback.